Is it on? Welcome to the Shark Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into another edition of the Shot Show. We come to you following Coastal Carolina's victory in Monroe, Louisiana, over the Warhawks, um, twenty-eight to twenty-one. Um, I've got one thing to say. I'm done pretending that Coastal Carolina is a good football team. They're not. They're six and zero, but I don't think they're good. Like I don't think that they're a good football team. They're a six and zero undefeated team, but yeah, that's about where it stops. This is a team that we've talked about over and over again, the potential that this team has. And, you know, in in our pregame episode, we predicted massive blowouts. This game was over by the end of the first quarter almost. And instead, Coastal Carolina's in a nail-biter against one of the worst teams in the conference. Behind one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference that Coastal Carolina made look like Tom Brady. This team has a lot of issues and I hate that we're on this roller coaster where last week we're talking about the cotton bowl and what this team could be and oh yeah we're back in it we sunbelt champs and and nothing else and we might be sunbelt champs but by default I mean the rest of the conference is cannibalizing itself so bad that if Carolina starts out 4-0 and in conference play they might win their division by default it's not a good place to be Sure, you're going to win your division, but man, this reminds me so much of 2012 Notre Dame where they went to the the national championship game and everybody knew going into that game they were going to get destroyed. And sure enough, they did. That's what Coastal Carolina feels like. They're going to be an 11-1, 12-0 team at the end of the season and everybody's going to know they're not very good. Josh, what were your initial takeaways from Saturday? I mean, a lot of what you just said, it's like, I think even after watching this game, it just kind of reinforces the fact that I think we could go undefeated the rest of the season by six wins by a combined 18 points, if that. I mean, it just it, it showed me that no matter who we play at all the rest of the season, it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to be a nail-biter. And this is, I mean, exactly something I said. We've referenced this episode a billion times but there was a Gardner-Webb episode that never came out. And it's like every week we go back to either, oh, we should be apologizing for what we said in that, or, oh, we were spot on right. And, yeah, they Chandler Rogers completed 90% of his passes, and he didn't go 9 and 10. He went 27 of 30. I mean, he looked like prime Peyton Manning out there, and he's not good. I mean, he had 700 yards in five games, and he had damn near 300 this game. So I really don't know what it was. The offense has usually been our, oh, no matter what the defense does, it's like the offense is always going to be on. We're always going to consistently score points. And that's what I felt like. I mean, that proved to be true at the start of this game. We scored 28 points in the first half. We looked great. And then we didn't score a single point in the second half, which is super uncharacteristic. And the defense was okay. I predicted they would give up 17 points and it wouldn't look great. They gave up 21. It didn't look great. I don't know, just a lot of wishy-washy after this game and more of what we've said about half of the week so far this season. Right. I mean, this team is an emotional roller coaster, you know? Like Josh said, and same thing as Curtis, you know, one 
one week we're, we're having high hopes for them. The next week we're down on them. And then we start questioning what this team's made of. Then we go back up to the high hopes and then we question them again. And it's just an up and down roller coaster with this team. With ULM, I'm going to keep it a buck with you guys, okay? First of all, in the first half, they ran the field like it was a treadmill. The second half, they put the ball up in the air like they were flying airplanes. I'm being real. Like, like it's like, I don't, it confused me so much because I could understand if they picked like running or passing and that's how they dominated us. It's like, like, I don't understand how you switch your offensive game plan completely in from one half to another and you still dominate us on offense. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. It blows my mind. But like, again, like we said about this defense, they're an opportunistic defense, you know, like in the fourth quarter, there were some, uh, they had that little, uh, I want to call it a fumble. I don't know what to call that, but like, it was like on like the one yard yard line or something. We got the ball back or something like that. But yeah, this team's an emotional roller coaster. I'm appreciate the fact that we are six and now, you know, we are one of the very few undefeated teams left. But again, like we we talked about this. We said this is the last easy game and you didn't make it look easy. Next up, you got Old Dominion. And I, I don't know what to say about this team. I don't want because I don't want to say like, oh, if we could barely beat ULM, then we ain't got a chance against Old Dominion because this team is so unpredictable. I have no clue what I'm going to expect. I have no clue what I'm going to expect the second half of this season. And again, it, it, it's got my palm sweating. It's got my palm sweating because I don't know what to expect. I don't know if we're going to get the coastal that caused havoc against Georgia State or we're going to get the coastal that barely beat Gardner Webb. I don't know what we're going to see. And again, that's for Saturday when that, that comes. But I got to be honest, like from what I've seen this game, it didn't look that great. And, and it's weird because usually we talk about like the defense, like letting up. This game, it was like the offense. The offense was like started off on fire and then they just kind of became stagnant. And it makes me really question this Coastal Carolina football team, not in the sense of like how good they are, but through through quarter one through quarter four, how, how much is your foot on that gas pedal and, and, how, and are you using it full speed? And this game showed me that this whole entire, that this game, they were not going full speed straight ahead from quarter one to quarter four. And if you're going to beat these teams coming up in the second half, you need to go full speed. Well, and and I, I agree with you there. And I, I also think that Coastal Carolina would probably be a one-in-five football team without Grayson McCall at quarterback. He is the best group of five player. Best group of five quarterback. I won't go player. There are some, some really good guys out there that play in the group of five. But he is a top ten quarterback nationally and pretty easily the number one group of five quarterback and even he didn't look fantastic this game and I don't know if it is Coastal Carolina playing down to their competition or playing up to their competition or not giving a damn at all I don't know I I really don't know but this team it feels like they come into every week thinking they're going to win they start off well they do the thing, like Georgia State, we had a 14 nothing lead in that game. This game, we scored on our first drive. We scored on our second drive. We scored on our third drive. And then we just stopped. We said, that's enough of that. We're done. We've got enough to beat ULM. And they didn't. Because, Mario, you and I like to say that this defense is opportunistic. 
I'm going to add an asterisk on the end of that. This defense is opportunistic and terrible. The only reason they get stops is because they happen on an interception. The only reason they get the ball back to our offense is because they happen into a fumble. They're not in the right positions. They're not playing well. They're not doing the things they need to do. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the players not listening to the system. Like, I played defensive line in high school. And you're always taught to follow the system. If you're a defensive end and you're told you're rushing the quarterback, you rush the quarterback. If you're a defensive tackle and you're told you're you're manning up the A-gap and you're taking the guard and center so that they can't get to your linebackers, you do that. I don't think our defensive line does that. Far too often in this game, Gerard Clark had done well. He had beaten his man, but he ended up 15 yards in the backfield. Doing what? You didn't? You're a giant human being. Take up two blockers so that JT Killen can make the play. Sure, you're bigger and stronger than the guy across from you, but you didn't do anything. You pulled yourself out of the play, and it's not good. And again, I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's Coach Staggs telling him to do that. And then if that's the case, holy shit, our defensive system is flawed. But it's just, it's, it's ridiculous what this team does, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, um... But first, you made a great point with the whole defense, opportunistic and terrible. I mean, technically, you look at it, and Coastal only forced two punts the entire game. Every other time they got a stop, it was either because ULM gambled and tried to go for it. They were in our territory, though, so they were in scoring range. Their kicker, if they had a great kicker, they would have had six or nine more points in this game. And then we forced two fumbles as well. We only forced two punts. And we don't force a lot of punts. We don't stop teams a lot. If we stop them, we force a lot of turnover on downs. That's something we've done all year. But it's because we let a guy, a team get 40 yards on a drive before we decide to do anything or we get an interception. We've got a lot of takeaways almost in the red zone. And then on top of that, the we got 10 total offensive possessions in this game, and we scored four times, four touchdowns. And they were in on the four of the first five possessions of this game. Four of the first five, you're like, great. The next five, nothing. Punt, 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 punt. Evan Crenshaw has been, I mean, he's gotten, he's going to have more career punts than Charles Overson after his freshman season. But the offense just completely fell asleep. And, yeah, the defense just, they allow way too much before they decide to wake up and actually play some defense. Right. And I just want to make another point real quick, okay? You know what? Let me ask something, Josh. I can ask Curtis the same thing. Between your whole entire day, are you watching film? Like, are we watching football film? Film? Like, let's be real. We're not. We're not. I'm being honest. We do not watch football film. That's not our job. Here's the thing. When we hop on this podcast, at least I feel like we're 75% right every time a game happens. We, I, I don't know a single thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, you like, if I'm going to be real honest right now, I don't know a single thing about Zach Rasmussen. Not a single thing about him besides when I looked at those stats that this guy was a red zone target. And what did they do? They targeted him in the red zone. I'm not watching film. Like, I'm not, I'm not sitting down with you guys watching film. And I could predict that. Catch up. Pick up on those things. It's one thing if you're covering him well and he makes a play on you. Like the play that that dude had, the one credit to him. That was a good play. But let's be honest here. Like, like how? Like, I don't understand how you're letting this go. No, you're, you're completely correct in that, Mario. Like, 
I'm not a football coach. I'm not watching film. I'm not out there at practice every day, right? I can't do those things because I have a life myself. However, I knew on that fucking play that it was going to Rasmussen. That's what they do. That's what they do over and over and over again. How do we not have somebody covering him? And I'm sick of, like, we came into the season expecting great things out of DeJordan Strong and Lance Boykin. And it's almost as if this team and this coaching staff doesn't trust them to play cornerback. They put them seven yards off the line of scrimmage every goddamn play, and we give up five yards a catch every goddamn play. Yeah, and real quick on that, when they actually get to play press man, they play cover two man is probably one of our greatest defensive formations that we never run because you have Josiah Stewart and Gerard Clark that can rush the passer on the outside, and you only need to rush four or five guys. DeJordan Strong and Lance Boykin should be press man as much as possible on these guys, and we saw it against Buffalo and Georgia Southern. They locked the receivers up, a lot of batted balls down, a lot of deflected passes because those guys are right on their hips. They don't get beat very often, but they're not great zone corners. And the zone schemes that we run get torched every – I mean, this has got to be a wake-up call. Charlie Rogers just like – I mean, he just went crazy on us. And our, I don't know, but I we can't play any more zone defense this year at all. Like, this is ridiculous. And for y'all, those of y'all that you can't see it, but Mario doesn't get riled up too often on this podcast. And the hat was started on his head when he made the point. And that hat ended up in another dimension while he was making this point. So, Well, and, and I understand that the coaching staff is worried about our talent at safety. But at the same time, I know Alex Spillum isn't back there anymore. And Mateo Sudupa was, uh, he was, he was a bit piece player, but he was really good. He was. We can't keep doing this. This is what Georgia Southern did. This is what Georgia State did. This is what Gardner-Webb did. This is what Army did, to an extent. Army mostly got off big plays. Right, and but. it's different when you have Kyle Van Treese dissecting the zone, and you're like, okay, he's a great quarterback, but this is freaking Rodgers. Yeah, well, but here's the thing. He wasn't even dissecting the zone. He was doing the same thing that ULM right. does. Like, God forbid when we play Chase Bryce, we're going to play seven yards off the ball. He's going to get four or five yards of play because he's a good enough quarterback to do that, and we're not going to be able to stop him. I mean, hell, going into the fourth quarter, Chandler Rogers had 100% pass completion percentage because we were playing off the ball and getting destroyed on three-yard three hook routes over and over and over again. At a certain point, you have to trust that your safeties have improved over the season and can stop the deep down-the-field passing that happened in Army and you have to let your cornerbacks play what they're good at. Mario, I mean, I know we're laying into him pretty heavy here, but, I mean, it's something that's needed to be said for weeks, and they finally, finally had a game where we can say it and be like, yeah, well, listen, it's their fault. Right, and the other thing I want to get to as well, like going back to the thing you said about the Jordan Strong and Lance Boykin, the Jordan Strong proved that he can be a lockdown. Let me explain something, okay? We're playing zone, right? Lance Boykin is 6'3", 200 pounds. That's a physical dude. That is a physical that, – that is a corner – that is a coach's dream for a cornerback to be 6'3", 200 pounds. And he ain't slow. 
So the fact that we're playing zone and we're letting go of so much space, and it's and it's something that the Vikings do, and it pisses me off. The fact that we're letting go of like five to seven yards per play, and we have these physical corners that can press him at the line of scrimmage and stop these guys, it make it's ridiculous. And then on top of that, like we act like our safeties haven't done nothing this year. We 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 act like Taven ja- uh, Taven Jackson in Week One didn't have an interception that secured the win against Army. We're acting like Charles Arnold. Did not have a clutch interception a few weeks ago. We're acting like these guys have done nothing. When in reality, I feel like these guys can play and they need a chance to prove that. So how about you start using your corners? How about you start having them press people? And how about you start having the safeties back them up? Test test these guys. I'm sorry, but if these guys never get put in like in deep waters, they're never going to become better. So you know what? Will some plays the safety get burnt? Sure. Will some plays the safeties might get caught on? Yes, but there's going to be plays, too, where the safeties make good good stops. Guys like Proche, guys like Arnold, guys like Jackson, they're going to make stops. There's going to be plays where they show up and they show out. But if you don't put, if you don't put them in the fire, they're not going to be able to have a chance to make those plays. And then by the time you need them to be in the fire, they're not going to be ready. So Yeah, that, that, that's a great point you made. Lance Boykin is an absolute freak of nature, 6'3", super athletic dude. And Jordan Strong's no slouch either pressing guys. This is a guy that and it's not just – I don't know what the coaches are seeing. They don't want to press these guys on the line. But dudes are not getting off the ball on these two. Jordan Strong squats almost 600 pounds. And he's a guy that NFL scouts have been looking at in the sixth or seventh round for – this is going on the third year now. So it's these guys are totally capable of – dudes should not be able to get off – it should take them five seconds to get off the line against Lance and Jordan. And I don't know why we're not utilizing when we have two of the best corners at man in the Sun Belt, at least in my opinion. Well, and that's the other thing. You brought it up right there. If it takes a wide receiver five seconds to get open, one of the biggest stories that we're not talking enough about is the disappearance of Josiah Stewart. Six games in, one and a half sacks. And it's not on him necessarily. I I do think there's been a drop-off in play. I do think he's getting double-teamed more often because the teams are respecting what he can do. But when a quarterback like Chandler Rogers can take a one-step drop and find a guy wide open three yards downfield, it doesn't give Josiah Stewart any chance to get to the ball and get to the quarterback. And so his plays dropped off. Amadou Fofana coming into the season was my breakout player to watch. And you see big number 11 come onto the field, and the second he gets his hands on a defensive ta- or excuse me on an offensive tackle and starts to drive him into his quarterback, the ball's gone. He's had one and a half seconds to, to rush the quarterback. And you can't play like that. Something has to change. But it's Chad Stagg, so I know it won't. Like it, just, it just won't. Like, this is our defense for the rest of the season. Get used to it. Because, Mario, you brought up the point. Early in this game, ULM was running the ball and running it well against us. Then we went into halftime, and we made an adjustment. And then Chandler Rogers threw the ball and dominated us that way. Why is there no fluid changing system? Why is there no, hey coach, on this drive I saw this and this when when JT Killen's coming off the field? I have never seen, and I know it's it's ESPN, I know that they're worried about other shit, but I have never seen ESPN cut to the sidelines after our defense comes off the field and Chad Staggs is talking to a single player that just came off the field. Does he not trust his own players coming off the field? 
I know that I played at double A high school level, right? It's not the big deal. But every time someone would come off the field, their position coach would pull them aside. Hey, what'd you see? What's going on out there? What keys can you tell me? What's happening? That shit doesn't happen, and we don't make adjustments. And when we do, we make one adjustment, and that's it. We're done. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I wanted to add real quick. I just this is something that, that I have not been able to get over. And it's I mean, this game happened what three or four days ago now. I still can't get over the fact that Chandler Rogers played Nickel State this year, and this was his best game of the season. He had 80% completion of that game for 253 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. This game, he had 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and 90%. I just – that doesn't make – that was a Division two team. But is Other that teams, surprising to you? Because – No, it's not because it's been happening. Their best season against us. It's been Army happening. Played their best offensive game of the season against us. Gardner-Webb looked like a competent football team against us. And it's just – it's – I mean, when we play guys like – like you said, we got looming guys like Chase Bryce and Todd Santeo. I mean, we're not going to get a single defensive stop in that game. It, it's just the schedule's not getting any easier, and especially the quarterbacks. I mean, even even the guy Wolf that Old Dominion has this weekend is no slouch. He's probably better than Chandler Rogers, and it's just if, like we've mentioned it a hundred times already this episode, if we don't change our coverage on defense, regardless, it's it's this is going to continue, and we're going to continue to get torched. Right, and going back to what Curtis said, talking about how Coach Skaggs isn't really like talking to players when they get off the field. Personally, to me, I think players and coaches, I think they, I think a big problem that like we don't really talk about. I think it's adaptability. I think in order to be a very great player, you need to have adaptability. You need to adapt to when something goes wrong. So in this game, when I'm looking at them run on us, and then in the next half they're just throwing it up in the air, we're not adapting to that. You know, like we we if we adjusted, but we didn't adapt. And that's how they had so much success on us. And I'm gonna be real with you. If I'm a coach, I want to I want my players to know that I have full trust in them, even if they mess up. Unless you're continuously messing up over and over and over again, I want them to know I have trust in you. One of my favorite videos is I believe it's like in the NBA, it's Garrett Temple. He's talking to a player. He goes, Look, this guy right here, that's your guy. I don't care if that's Damian Lillard or Michael Jordan, that's you. That's what I would tell my guy. I'm gonna be like, look. If I'm a cornerback, I don't care if that's um, I'm trying to figure out the wide receiver for uh, ULM. I don't care if that's Howell or I don't care if that's Randy Moss. That's your guy. Guard him. Simple as that, because that is what I need. I want him to know, look, I trust you that you're going to do good against this guy. You may make some mistakes, but I trust that you're going to adapt and you're going to fix it. And that's the kind of trust I don't think these players feel from their coaches. And that's the kind of trust that I don't think that. The coaches are feeling from the players. It's a mutual thing. And I think in order for us to, in order for this team to move on and to adjust, I think they need to not only adjust, but they need to adapt too at what's going on. Because I'm sorry, but like, there's going to be games where like a team I have, we might stop a team in one area. It doesn't mean they're going to keep doing, using that same area for four quarters. It's not going to be like Citadel where we run the ball, where they run the ball 90% of the time. There's going to be teams who adjust and are going to adapt. And we got to learn how to adapt with that. And that's something that this year, I like, especially this game, I haven't really seen. Well, and let's dive into that a little bit. Because I was always told, and I believe it to my core, that the reflection of a coaching staff happens in the discipline of your players. 
Army is one of the least penalized teams in the country, and that's because Jeff Munkin and his coaching staff don't take no shit. They're also Army cadets, so, you know, there's that. But Alabama's always one of the least penalized teams in the country. Nick Saban and his staff don't take no crap. They're a super disciplined staff that is going to put you in positions to win the game. Our team, and by proxy, our coaching staff, is one of the least disciplined in the country. I am sick and goddamn tired of Will McDonald and Willie Lampkin. Throw both of them in there. I'm sick of the bullshit. They're not good players. They're just not. I don't know why Bill Durkin keeps throwing them back out there. And I'm sick of them being the most undisciplined players in the Sun Belt. Period. Willie Lampkin gets his feelings hurt and Will McDonald get their feelings hurt. And then they're the dumbasses that take a 15-yard personal foul. Every single time. Coastal Carolina in 2020 and 2021 were the team that were fantastic at getting under the skin of the other team. And then the other team was the one who took the stupid penalty. Not anymore. Will McDonald had a false start and then starts, Woo, first down, false start, got it. And then they, they he's like, it's, it's a, man, it, it's offside on them. And then the, the referee goes, false start, 66 offense. Yeah, because it was you, dipshit. Like, I'm done with this team. It's They're so undisciplined. And when you're a bad football team like Coastal Carolina is, you can't afford to take penalties like that because you kill yourself. You will lose so many football games because of your discipline and because you're going to take a stupid 15-yard penalty or you're going to false start when you shouldn't that you're going to lose football games down the stretch. This offense is so talented. Grayson McCall is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, the best, period, in the group of five. C.J. Beasley came into the season RB4 and is probably the best running back in the Sun Belt right now. Sam Pinckney is great. Is he the deep threat that we expected him to be? Not necessarily. But is he reliable and open on almost every play? Yeah, he's fantastic. Jared Brown is awesome. He's incredible. And this offensive line continues to lose us games. They haven't lost yet, but it's coming. Because this offensive line isn't good enough to support the skill players that are on the rest of this team. They can't do it, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, that penalty, it was we were trying to put the game away. <clears throat> we do these drives, and this has happened a lot at the end of the game where we – are doing it. We have a great drive to salt away the rest of the time, and we really could score, but we're trying to be respectful, or whatever. We we were on one of those, but and we got a first down, and then a 15-yard personal foul. And Jamie Chadwell was talking about this in the press conference. I mean, he was this week, just a couple of days ago, he was almost beside himself. He's so just he's like, this is ridiculous. You cannot have personal fouls, and we had three or four of them this game. 130 penalty yards. That's a touchdown and a half right there. And a lot of them happen. 15-yard penalties kill your drives. 10-yard penalty, holding, that happened a couple of times. Kill your drive. Second and 20, we're not good at converting long because we can't do our offense. Our offense is not good from playing behind the chains every time we're going to have to punt. So we have, I mean, if I don't even know what else to say that Curtis didn't say already, that Mario didn't say already, but 
the discipline is just uh, – we're one of the least disciplined teams in the country, if not the – and it's just – it's really disappointing. It's so disappointing it, because, like we say on this podcast over and over and over again, we see the potential of this team. We see what this team can be. Last week we ended the podcast, and I don't – my memory is fading. I'm 26 years old, and I have the brain of a 70-year-old. I'm convinced of it. However – I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or if I said it when we were talking afterwards. We were talking about the Cotton Bowl. We were talking about Coastal Carolina being in the driver's seat for the group of five champion. Because Cincinnati's got a hell of a schedule. They're currently ranked ahead of us, but they've got a hell of a schedule going in. And James Madison is ineligible. The only other threat is Tulane. If Coastal Carolina can realize their potential, they can go to a New Year's Six Bowl having played in their first bowl game ever two years ago. But instead, we're going to take dumb penalties. We're going to point at the other team, even though we know we're at fault. We're going to play like shit. And we're going to come into games totally unprepared for the obvious. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Yay, we won. Pat on the back. You beat a team that you should have blown out of the water by seven. Enough. Enough is enough. I'm done pretending that Coastal Carolina is a good football team. Real quick, on a positive note, you mentioned Sam Pickney and how great he's been. The guy that we brought him in to replace and the guy that reminds me a lot of is Javion Hiley. And it's just Javion Hiley last year, 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Sam Pickney already. 520 yards and a touchdown. He's not quite the touchdown machine. He had that one in week one. It was great. And it's just because, I mean, a lot of our touchdowns have been Jared Brown and C.J. Beasley vultured two of them, like one-yard touchdowns this week. But Sam Pickney's been that X receiver, that outside guy that we've needed him to be. Like you mentioned, Jared Brown's awesome. If I don't know what they have against Tyson Mobley, but I would love to see him a little, like definitely, not even a little more involved, I would like to see three receiver sets a lot more with him. The tight ends I still can't figure out because we have like four of them that are great and can do whatever. But like this all goes back to this offense. And this was the first time that the offense has really been terrible in a half. But I mean, the offensive line hasn't been great all year except for that first game. And this offense is has so much potential and they can carry this defense to an extent. But if they do, if they penalties and mistakes, and, I mean, we're not turning the ball over right now anymore and we're only beating teams by seven points. I don't think we had a single turnover this week and we only won by seven points. It's just this offense has all the potential in the world. This team has all the potential in the world, and they've just scraped by. And it, this is just so weird to be a part of because we're 6-0 and and we keep winning games, and every week it's just something different, and I don't know how to feel, and it's just – I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but it's got to be the worst a fan base has felt after six games, all winning them. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. The only thing offensively that's, like, keeping me optimistic is the fact that, like, we there's still no Braden Bennett. There's still no Bedgood. I don't know when Bedgood's going to come back, but Braden Bennett's, like, the key one for me. When he comes back, because I think right now people are really looking at Beasley – and the other teams are looking at Beasley and they're seeing like what he can do and they're probably creating game plans to try to stop him, even though they haven't worked yet. But I think when Beasley, I'm, I'm not, excuse me, when Bennett comes back and I think when 
Reese White comes back, I think, I think personally, like this team is going to get a lot better offensively. And they're great offensively right now, but they're going to get a lot better. Well, so, but the thing is, right, their skill players are great. We don't need any more of those. Will having Braden Bennett back be great? Yeah, it'll make our, us better. But you can polish a turd all you want. It's still a turd. And that's our offensive line right now. Right. And who knows? You know, like, again, that doesn't mean there's – it doesn't mean necessarily like that there's not guys on the bench who can play offensive line. You never know. They might make the adjustments. Somebody might come in. I'm being optimistic about that, too. Somebody might come in and play good offense, offense like, for the offensive line. We don't know. Again, we're not sure what happens in the future. But overall – it, it, it's it's a weird six and zero feeling. It really is. Like we're like we're one of the very few teams left that are six and zero, and at the same time, it doesn't like it, you know we're still questioning a lot of stuff. And I don't think a lot of six and zero teams right now have like as much like like questionable like thoughts about their team as we do. Like I know there are teams that are six and zero that are that have like have had like some like some like okay wins, but not nearly like the way we do. You know. Like, I haven't seen really, like, a true blowout in a decent amount of time. Not even the Georgia State game. Like, I know that was a blowout, but that wasn't, like, a true blowout. I am, like, and I, and I, and I was talking to Curtis about it before, before, um, before we hit the podcast. We played them a year ago, and we beat them 59-6. to And I'm, like, looking, I'm, like, there's no way ULM got that, be- that much better. There's no way. No way in hell. There's no way they got that yeah. much better. And I'm questioning, like, like I just don't understand it. Like, put your foot on the gas pedal. Floor that, okay? Just like SpongeBob when he went to go get his driver's license. Floor that and go full speed. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't get it. Like, I, I don't sense any urgency with this team. You don't see it. And they're totally cool with beating ULM by seven. They were totally cool with surviving Gardner freaking Webb. We talked about it before. I don't know if it's an attitude issue. I don't know if it's a coaching issue. I don't know what it is. We thought we had it back after Georgia Southern. We thought we had it back after Georgia State, really, the week before that. It's not. It's not. This team is totally kosher with beating a dumpster fire of a football program like ULM by seven points. It's ridiculous, but and and even the the play calling doesn't like the second half. They didn't set the play calling up to score a bunch of points. I'm sorry, but this is a game that you should be like. I don't even care this game, any game. You should be trying to extend your cushion. And we've said that the play calling has just been, in some instances, certain instances has been great, and it shows the genius that's on the sidelines with the playbook. But then I watched the second half against ULM and. It's nothing. We're not doing anything. We're not doing anything special. And we have freaking athletes on our teams that can make something happen. We're not doing anything special. We're relying on the brilliance of Grayson McCall. Period. Yeah. Period. That's it. We're calling a speed option and hoping that Grayson McCall will either break it for 30 yards or he'll do one of those where he's he's famous for where he'll pitch it at the last millisecond after the defensive yep. tackle has decided finally to attack him and then we gain 10 yards off of it and i know that's our offense i know that's what we are but holy shit can we do something else too we won't take a deep shot all game and then all of a sudden we take one deep shot and we did it in this game to jared brown down the, 
middle of the field touchdown. I mean, every single time we don't let Grayson McCall should be throwing it deep once a drive, at least probably twice. And I mean, Jared Brown is the fastest guy we've had on that field in the past seven years. I don't know. We just, I don't know why we're not airing the ball out when you have one of the most special and most talented quarterbacks in the country. And every time you ask him to do it, he does it. Why not do it all the time? Right. And on top of that, going to other teams, We've been doing this for three years, that whole pitch thing that Curtis said. And I still look at the highlights and I'm saying to myself to the uh, about the other teams, how do you not see this coming? Like, how don't you see it coming? It's like, it's so, it's it's so obvious. It's so obvious when he's running. I know he's going to pitch that ball. And I know like, all you got to do as the other team is get a couple guys to stand in front of running back and you can stop them. I don't, I, I, it's so obvious it's coming. But you, that, that, but that's the problem. Some team's going to catch up to that pitch. Some team's going to find out how to stop it, and you're going to have to switch to a plan B, which is my question. And you know what? I know Curtis there has is a question, but here's my, here's my, let's be honest. Does this coaching staff have a plan B for that? If that fails? Absolutely not. Absolutely I don't think not. they do either, because we've been doing it for so long, for the past three years since he's been here. If they stop it, I don't know what they're going to go to. And a lot of reasons that we won so many of these games by like only a couple points is because somewhere in the second and third quarter, once we get into a game flow and once the game really starts going and teams are seeing that what they've studied all week is coming to fruition, then we go stagnant in the middle of the game and we have whole drives where we pitch the ball three times and that's it and we punt the ball. We have so many wasted drives and we lose field position battles all the time because we go out and we go three and out and then we punt the ball and they have it at the 40 or the 45. They don't have a plan B and we try so hard. We've said it this season, especially me, it's like we try so hard to establish the run and it really kills us in the middle quarters. And we then, if it doesn't work, we completely lose our game flow and any rhythm that we had. And then all of a sudden that's why in the fourth quarter we're scrambling and then you have to switch it up because of the game script. You're down by 10 points against Georgia Southern. And what happens when we switch it up? Great things happen. And I would, they don't incorporate that into the regular game script at all. No, they don't. And I think that's about enough. I could go for about another hour ranting and raving about this team. And the reason we rant and rave is because we care so much and we see what this team can be. If we thought this team was an 0-12 team, we wouldn't be in here talking the way that we do. We'd be happy that they just showed up for the football game. Right. But we see the potential in this team. We know what this team can be, and we know what this team needs to do to get better. And hopefully, next week against Old Dominion, they can do that. Right, and if we thought this team was an 0-12 team, we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> so the fact that we have a podcast that dedicate that is dedicated to y'all shows us that we shows you guys that we actually care and we want it to and we want y'all to play to your potential and we just got to see it yeah and, and hopefully this coaching staff and this football team gets it together going into next week but with that i think we go ahead and we wrap it up follow us on instagram at shant show on twitter at the shant show we didn't go game balls this week it didn't feel appropriate <laughs> but uh you know if you want to send them to us we're not going to turn you down. Uh, who was your game ball? Send us questions. Send us your concerns. What have you seen while watching Coastal Carolina that, that's really you know got you going and, and you're concerned about heading into, as we've said on this show over and over again, the decent part of the schedule, the hard part of the schedule, the part of the schedule where you can't cakewalk through it. And we're here now. It's you're here, here now. now. It starts this week. 
So, we'll see. We'll see come Saturday. But we'll be back later this week for a pregame episode for the Old Dominion Monarchs. And we will see you then. Shots up. <laughs>